Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. If our industry doesn't transform very fast now, the risk of being irrelevant is huge. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a great pleasure today to welcome a good friend and one of industry's most illustrious figures, Artur Sadoun, the CEO of Publicis. Artur, thank you so much for joining me on Good Company today. Merci, Michael. Bonjour. I'm hoping that it is a lovely afternoon in Paris. It is a beautiful morning here in Los Angeles. And whilst we are a continent and an ocean apart right now, since I'm on the West Coast, I just want you to know how close I feel to you in the spirit of both our friendship and what we need to do in the current moment as business partners, as friends, is to feel close to one another. I, I've been saying throughout the COVID, Artur, experience that the concept we've been talking about of social distancing really was a misnomer. It should be physical distancing and social connectivity. And I'm happy to say something we're going to talk about later on this podcast. Marcel is something that was based really in its earliest iterations on physical distance, but social connectivity. So in 2017, you were prescient in that the moves you took around Marcel anticipated a world very much like the world we're living in now. As I recall, speaking of the then 80,000 plus associates and, and, and people within Publicis, your idea in Marcel through technology was to connect all those people. Can we talk about that just in terms of the ability to have unbelievably, not really, but anticipated a world that's distributed as this one is with talent. Michael, the, just, problem just, I'm having, the problem I'm having, Michael, is that I won't describe Marcel as well as you did. So as you put the answer into the question, you're going to make my life difficult. Aha. I think that um, this crisis uh, uh, is accelerating uh, strategies in general. And uh, the future is coming faster. That, that's the reality. And you, you see it in many areas. And the truth is, uh, I'm not sure it was visionary because it was starting from a very, uh, uh, very simple concept, which is we are 80,000 strong around the world. We all stand for creativity. We have very diverse capabilities and expertise. How can we make sure that we connect all of those talents thanks to technology? And that was the idea that was beyond Marcel, which is to say, if I've got a great copywriter in China, uh, why should it be able to try to help on a Super Bowl pitch or on a big project client in the US or anywhere else? And this is how we started. And the truth is, uh, as you know, it has been uh, pretty hard uh, for a very simple reason is that uh, it's difficult to change structure and it's even more difficult to change culture. And the crisis we have been through has accelerated that. And it's true that we moved from a project that was doing good progress, mainly in the UK, where we were testing Marcel, 
into something where now we have 70,000 of our people that are connected, that are profiled, that are learning, that are sharing, that are finding opportunities to work, and we have been saving many jobs thanks to that, that are, by the way, getting into this great project that we have put together about diversity and inclusion, 18,000 people in the US connected for an entire day to listen, learn, and ideate. But also for lighter things like the Can Do Award show that we did last week. So we have created this platform that at the end of the day is just an expression of our diversity, of our community, and our ambition, again, to change publicists and to make sure that everyone could have a chance to do better and learn every day. Well, it's, it's interesting, Artur, because as we're chatting, I know there was a, an article that I read which was indicative of Publicis' position in diversity and, and the honest and transparent truth. And, you know, it was characterized in the press as a, quote, leak. I don't know if it was a leak or if it was purposeful, but I would tell you it was very thought-provoking, but I think inspirational. And I actually hope it was not a leak, but it was shared for transparency reasons, because I think it, we all need to own where we are in the current moment, and we can't sugarcoat it. We can't say we did this if we didn't. And in this case, the numbers speak for themselves. But what it does is it underscores the commitment that we need to make to get it right. And I would love to talk about that and how you're going to do that. I know you've enlisted the support of as many of your associates around the world as you can. And I know you've committed substantial resources of publicis towards this endeavor to make this real. Can we talk about that in terms of how you see that, that moment for publicis? I'm very pleased to talk about that. Um, first of all, I, I, I want to come back one second on this leak idea. Uh, we had kind of a dozen of articles on this. Only one mentioned that we leak it. We didn't leak it, we sent it to the press. I mean, I, I know a bit about communication, not as much as you do, but I know that whatever is internal is external anyway. And in this kind of topic, transparency, humbleness and transparency is what matters. And this is what we have tried to do here. So what did we do? So the first thing we did is let's take all of our people and let's learn and share for an entire day and ideate. We had 18,000 people on the Marcel platform doing this. We came back with 3,000, no, 7,300 ideas. We took two weeks to put it into seven key actions that we have presented. The first thing that is the most difficult thing is how do you promote our black talent within our organization? We came with concrete measure. How do we get access? We came with concrete measure. And then how do you make sure that you, that you measure and make people accountable? We took other measures. We presented that yesterday. I am actually doing this interview between two Q&A that I'm having with the leaders uh, of the US, like 2,000 people to make sure we take all the questions. And believe me, there is tough question. And we're going to implement those seven actions. They are simple. They will have an impact. They will have to be driven by our leaders. And we're going to focus on that and do that well. And again, we have released our data and we'll do that once a year. And there will be KPIs attached to it. There has to be, Artur. Oh, more than that, there will be KPIs. And by the way, people will be incentivized or disabled or punished. But to be, to be, for this to work, it means two things. Simple action that are systemic and accountability from leadership. If you open your aperture for recruiting, it's going to get better. 
full stop. It has to be at the beginning of the process. Yes, it's in advancing those people once they're in, but getting those people in is where it's going to start. And I've been surprised, actually, that the most difficult thing is not for them to get in, it's for them to progress, and by the way, for them to stay. Uh, it's, it's when you look at the stats, and again, I spend a lot of time on this, and we're already doing good things with schools. We're going to do more. We have a fantastic program with Marcel. Actually, we're going to train more than a thousand people a year. Uh, uh, and this will come on the UK and the US and will commit to hire um, many of them. But, but the truth is, I won't say it's simpler because this is already a challenge. But making sure that people progress, black talent progress within our organization, when you look at the stats, is something that is even more complex. I've got a question for you, Mike. This is something that I didn't know, and you tell me if you did. Do you know uh, who has the lowest percentage uh, of black talent in his industry uh, uh, between uh, our industry, communication, and financial services? Uh, I would say f- the advertising industry. Yeah. We have a lowest range of black talent in the advertising industry than in the financial world. We are supposed to be an open business with a creative mind, by the way, based mainly in the East and in the West. And the result is we have less diversity in our industry than in the financial services. I think you're right in terms of our industry. And I would applaud you, Artur, for taking the movement to publish those numbers, share those numbers, acknowledge those numbers, be transparent about it, and as well, kick into action as quickly as you did. So I'm, I, I am saying thank you on behalf of the industry for taking a leadership I think we're role. Gonna, I think we're going to, coming back to diversity and inclusion, I think that as an industry, we will make faster progress than many others. So don't get me wrong. I think that uh, now there is a common brief. And by the way, I think what is brilliant about that is that our clients are going to be demanding our clients are going to ask us, what are you doing? And you know, one of the decisions I took is to create a concealer just to measure our result. It's going to be just twice a year. It's not, I don't think a council should decide about what we do in terms of politics. It has to come from the CEO and applies by the business leaders. But someone needs to measure. And I did it on purpose to put some, I'm going to put some clients into this concealer. And of course, I'm doing it because they're going to add something. But I like the idea of having an external view that you know, you are accountable too. You, you just can't mess. You can't just hide something and change things. And you, you just can't. And so I think this is a commitment. This is what we did with data. You, you need to understand that for us, releasing the data was a huge problem. We actually spent two weeks with our lawyers because in France, it is forbidden by law to release this kind of data. Now, as I said, first, we have to acknowledge the fact that despite that we did many things, we didn't have the impact that was expecting. And we need to, it's an immense task and it's going to take a while. It's not because we took seven measures that we're not going to continue to listen and learn because at least personally and around me, we have a lot to learn. Well, I, I, I applaud you, as I said, for that, Artur. And look, we in this industry can create the narrative and the narrative that we need to create is the one that's in line with what you're suggesting. And that's it. And working together with the brands and the agencies, I think we can we can succeed. I hope. I hope. We, we must. Uh, Artur, I want to switch gears. Publicis for certain, going back to 2007, uh, when you acquired Digitas, all the way through 2019, when you made the purchase of Epsilon and finalized that now a bit over a year ago, I guess, 
uh, the deal was, was solidified and closed. You've made the single biggest investments of any agency holding company in data and in understanding where the future of this industry is going, the consultative side when you acquired Sapient. So between Digitas and LBI and Sapient and more recently Epsilon, nobody has stepped up like you have. You've made billions and billions of dollars of investments. Here we are in uh, July of uh, 2020. Using 2020 vision, if you had it in hindsight, and number one, do you feel good about that? And number two, you know, with 2020 vision looking forward, not clouded by the current moment, but looking at the strategy, are you are you satisfied with where you are in that journey? I mean, the problem is that now things have changed again, but. Uh... As you might have seen in our Q1 result, we were off to a great start. Huh? Uh, we were growing by 5% in the US. Uh, our model was starting to take off, which is roughly a mix of our way to go to market and what we have won in new business. So we were feeling pretty good. Of course, now, like everyone, we're going to go through a very tough time when it comes to revenue. But I do believe uh, that uh, because we have the right vision, uh, we're going to live stronger out of this crisis. You look yes. at the kind of acquisition we've been doing in the last decades that actually enabled us to double our size, to move from 5 billion to 10 billion, and to make sure that now in the US, we have 25% of our revenue in first party data and technology, one quarter of our revenue uh, in, in uh, creative, one quarter in media, and one quarter in technology uh, with Sapiens is unique. And this is what our clients are gonna need in the future, because not in the future today by the way if there is still today, someone today is the future if there is still someone that doesn't believe that the future lies in personalization at scale and if there is still someone that believes that personalization at scale can only be delivered by the world garden i think it should change industry there is no way a cmo in the future will be able to manage his cost structure while delivering growth if they don't start to have a data digital first approach in everything they do. And this is what we can deliver better than anyone else in the market. Coming back to your KPIs, it's pretty simple. First, when a crisis like this happens, the first thing that matters is to pass it, is to be financially strong enough to get through that. Second, organization. You need to make sure that you definitely act as a platform. And this is what we have done by our country model with Marcel, we are ready to go. And third, and way more importantly, do you have the product that is relevant for your client now? And what they need, and you know it better than I do, they need a new kind of creativity, they need a data-led approach in media to make sure that it's outcome-based and delivering the ROI, and they need the right technology to build the kind of experience they need for their brands and for their customers. We are the only one that have that at scale. And so my KPI for the future is just to make sure that I'm relevant for those clients, for my clients on those items. You know, as they say in, in Great Britain, horses for courses, um, not everybody shares the same view, and you're correct. The view they should share is the one you just said. Personalization at scale is the future. There is no question about it. Here's what I say, though. We are in a place where a lot of words that start with the letter T, trust, transparency, technology, talent, and within you know, those four words lie the future of our industry, i.e., can you restore and have trust with the clients? Are you being transparent? The technology is changing everything we do, and 
making certain relationships uh, obsolete and certain more important. And then obviously talent, and that covers the entire spectrum of how good the talent is, but also how diverse the talent is. You know, one of the reasons why, and there are many, by the way, why I insisted so much on Maurice to stay at the chairman is because you don't build the trustful relationships that you have built with many of our clients in a second. I think that trust is really about the relationship. You need to have to go to war together to trust each other. And by the way, this crisis will increase the level of trust between the agency and their clients everywhere, I think. Transparency, I can talk about ourselves. We are the only companies that have been through uh, like 45 audits as everyone else, but we made all the results public. Technology, I mean, we spent 10 billion on that, so I'm not gonna tell you it's not important. And the most important one is talent. Uh, and uh, this is where I'm uh, optimistic and, and, and anxious, actually. I'm optimistic because I believe that our industry is going to be more diverse because I think that it will attract great talent in the future. But I'm also anxious because you never have enough talent. And the kind of business we are in today is going to get so different from the past that how are we going to make sure that people that have been doing things during decades in one way can do it in another way? And this is now because the T you're missing, which is an horrible buzzword, but which is true, is transformation. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a terrible world, but it's a reality. If our industry doesn't transform very fast now, the risk of being irrelevant is huge. The competitive landscape is not the holding company. As I said, there is enough business for everyone. The competitive landscape is to help our clients be fit for this new world. And that's the right mix of data, creativity, which is still at the core, media and technology connected in the right way. And, and Artur, let's talk about in this, in this particular moment, the future of work. It's a broad-based topic, but how do you see the future of, of, our, of our industry in terms of the distribution of talent. Geography is becoming more important and less important. So how are you looking at it through the lens of Publicis? We're gonna live through a big shift there and, and, uh, and we have a big advantage with Marcel. But for me, the problem is not even a problem of technology because everyone can have a platform to do that. You know, I guess everyone will, by the way. It's, it's a question of structure and it's a question of culture. You can't use someone in Shanghai that works in a creative agency for a data project where you need a creative mind in Spain if you are not structured in terms of PNL to make it work. And what the market is not seeing at the moment, my feeling, is the one that will win are really the ones that are able to break down the PNL silos to make sure that you can work flawlessly from one client to another, from one country to another, from one experience to another. We did that. Again, it costs us a lot in terms of organic growth because at the end of the day, you're saying to people, what you do for your client is more important than what you do for your own agency. And this creates a commercial problem at the beginning. But my feeling for the reason you just mentioned is that this is the future. So this is about structure. But the most important thing is culture. Now, with the kind of platform that we have created, the distribution of talent is becoming possible because you work in a totally flat way. And so, and this is what has happened with Marcel during the crisis. If you are a great talent in Spain and there is a project in Mexico and you think you can deliver, you raise your hand, you're on Marcel and the CEO of Mexico sees you immediately. We have killed every layer. And we have just said, if you're good, you have more opportunity. 
But that's come back to structure and culture. Everyone will have the technology. I'm not sure everyone will have those two things. I think that's well said. And I think that does speak volumes, uh, Artur, to, as we said, the future of work. Because we're all struggling with that on the one hand. And yet we've done in four months what I'm guessing the pundits would say probably could have taken 10 years. And I'm happy to say, as I look around our industry, at least, people have risen to the occasion. And two words that have really rocked our industry in the last few months, which is uncertainty and flexibility, because the uncertainty is creating everybody's need to be more flexible. And one drives the other, number one. Number two, it's also really shining a very important light on something I've always said, which is when one finds uh, an opportunity, Artur, to use the following three words in a sentence, there's a good, there's a pony at the end of it. And those three words are uh, fragmentation, consolidation, and efficiency. I think if we find fragmented situations that could be made more efficient by consolidation, somebody wins because you're going you're gonna to come out better by that result. And our own industry probably is going to look at another round of consolidation. I'm curious what you think of that. I don't believe there will be any consolidation in our own sector for a very simple reason. And I'm going to look like an old guy, but still, 10 years ago, you had a big difference in terms of size between number one and two, WPP and Omnicom, and number three and four, not even mentioning the other one, which was roughly Publicis and, and IPG. If you look at the thing roughly, now the four have roughly the same size, okay? And so it's almost impossible for us to consolidate, I think. I, I don't see how it could happen. So the consolidation internally is something you have to be looking at just as you manage P&L. You know, I'm guessing as you look at, at the power of one really coming into its own, that opportunity exists for you internally. Yeah, we, we have a different approach from the rest of the, the industry on that. Is, and it came, again, the power of one was put in place by Maurice on our clients with a single leadership, single P&L, and this working extremely well. What I brought to the party is this idea of a single PNL at country level, including the US, which I'm directly uh, leading. Why? Because at the end of the day, I do believe in the power of the brands. I do think that you need a Sachi, a BBH, or a Leo Burnett, for example, because I believe in culture. And I think that if you want to attract the best talent, they have to come for a culture. They can come for a group culture, by the way. They can come for publicist media, but at one point they come for Epsilon, they come for Sapient. So I don't want to lose that. What I do want to lose is the lack of collaboration between those different brands. So by removing the PNL at country level, at the end of the day, the bonus of someone in Sachi doesn't depend that much on the result of Sachi. It does depend on the result of the group. And that has been a big change. So I am not, I don't believe we should consolidate brands. Either you kill a brand or, and by the way, I think today we have a very strong portfolio of brand and I'm not there. I do think we need to kill the PNL silos that make collaboration wrong. And this, I spent a lot of time on that. It has been pretty tough because there were a lot of people that was managing by PNL. As long as they were delivering the number, they were happy of their sales. They said, pop, pop, pop. You don't manage by PNL, you manage on the product. Are you delivering a product that is making the difference for your client? If this is the case, you're winning. And, and so this is how we have changed the model. And this is why, honestly, I feel pretty confident about our ability to resist the crisis because it means you can move people, you can bring end-to-end -end solution, as you have seen in some pitches that we have won or lost, by the way, because it's not always what the client wants, but this is our vision. I was going to tell a story about 
the way I used to look at research in, an, in a different era. I looked at our head of research when I was running an agency and I said, look, I don't want you to be responsible for a P&L. You're an L. I know that. But if you do your job right and make us and our clients smarter, it's going to drive a lot of P. So you just focus on your, on your work. Don't focus on the P. You do the L. You make the investment in research and strategy. We will drive the P. And that's what you're saying. If you make the investment over here, it's going to drive the investment over here. You're going to drive success if you don't focus just on the P&L. And there's no doubt about it. And I think as a business principle, Artur, it's the right way to look at it. It is about putting the client first. It's not a good, it's not just good client service. It's what's the result. What I try to do with my team all the time, and maybe I learned this in law school, Artur, was in law school, you're trained to look at a set of facts. You're, looked, you're, you're given you know, the, the story. And then at the bottom, there's a question. And what I was taught by one of the best professors I ever had was make sure you understand the call of the question. What is the question asking you to solve for? That's what I always say to my team when we take on a brief from a client. If you look at it that way, you're always going to win. Now, your answer may not always be right, but from a client agency perspective, you're at least entering the battle on the same on the same team, on the same plane, on the same mission. So, Artur, I want to thank you truly for taking this time being as open and transparent using that word as you have been, as you continue to be. And I'm going to say what I feel, which is in our industry, you are a personality. And I mean that in the highest regard, because you are passionate about what you believe in. And in the years now that I have gotten to know you on a personal level and in a business level, you are consistent. And that passion comes through in everything you do and say. And uh, I thank you for that. No, I thank you, Michael. Merci. See you soon. I'm Michael Kasson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich.